Hello and welcome to Camera Eats First. My name is Devin. And I'm Catherine. And together we are Two Marker Girls. We run a vegan YouTube channel and a blog, and this is our podcast where we talk about things like veganism, how we make our recipes, how we run our blog, and every once in a while we do some vegan news. Now, in today's episode, we're going to kind of follow up on a discussion in the last episode, which was all about what goes into creating a recipe blog post or a free recipe on the internet, basically. So we thought this week we would kind of continue that conversation, but go into what happens when you want to get paid for your content and knowing your worth and your content's worth as a kind of solo creator who just has to advocate for themselves. It's very difficult to do. Yeah, I was thinking about it and we were talking about this with a fellow food blogger this week and it kind of goes like from difficulty level for what we do. It's like, okay, making the content, difficult. Finding the audience and growing the audience, difficult. And then number three is remembering your worth and making sure that when you are getting paid you're getting paid what you're worth yeah and that you're not like in just finding what the right price is (laughs) yeah and that's not to say that we have that figured out we do not but i think just like in any industry maybe the more open the conversation is about money the more we can all benefit from it Because this is something you and I have discussed too, is that this whole idea of like the influencer industry, which is where most content creators fall under, Mm -hmm. it's still so new and so unregulated that no one really knows what they're doing from either side. Yeah, no one really knows what like a fair price is. Because it also like, when you're a content creator, it's like a bunch of different things mashed into one. Because not only is someone paying for your influence, which is like the same thing as someone putting an ad on a billboard. They're paying for that placement's influence, but you're also paying for someone's time to create content, which is very different from traditional advertising. You're not like most of the time it's done in-house or it's already been hired out by someone else. So it's, I find like, because this industry is so new and it combines two things that aren't normally combined together, it's even harder to price things on both sides yeah and like who is the right judge of how much somebody should be paid for their content Mm -hmm. because like disclaimer I'm on both sides of this like I'm pricing ourselves we're pricing ourselves as content creators but I've also worked with influencers on the brand side of things so I'm also on the other side trying to figure out is this price worth it or not and like both sides are just equally as hard (laughs) which is actually kind of interesting to know that from either side everyone's kind of like am I is this a fair number or not? And I don't really know how we get to that point other than to continue talking about it and to somehow figure out how to regulate it. But I don't think we know what that is. And do you think that that also depends on like the platforms to a certain extent? Yeah, platforms, audience, like there's like so many different variables that go into it. So when we talk about defining your worth as a content creator what factors play into that like let's just kind of lay it all out so like how do we come to decide our pricing for example yeah let's use ourselves as an example and just grow from there 
<laughs> um, so I think it's many different things. First and foremost, and I don't think most people think this way, but we did when we were thinking of our new pricing at least, is the time and effort that goes into the content. At least that's for us, that is the most important bit is that like we're putting a lot of hours into this content, a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, and we want to make sure that work is recognized, not just because like we can reach people, but because we've spent a lot of time really creating unique content. We like to think that for sure. We believe that. (laughs) So we're going to advocate for that in the number that we ask for. Exactly. Um, So basically time that goes into content. Uh, type of content which also factors a little bit into time like how long it takes each different piece of content takes different time influence which is something that like I say but still have no idea how to measure like I don't know what influence is worth (laughs) and to an extent at least from the content creator side and this might be controversial to say but I do think it also depends on who you're working with who the brand is like we don't mind discounting our rate for a brand that we really, really love. It's a smaller brand, doesn't have as big of a budget. But like if it's this big brand that has this huge budget and we obviously equally like just as much, it kind of depends, like quotes change depending on that kind of stuff too. Yeah. And I think we are, we kind of have the benefit of, I mean, it's a good thing and a bad thing that we have each other because on the one hand we do want to charge more because there's two of us putting our time and energy Mm -hmm. and skills into it but on the other hand we at least have each other to kind of be like no you're right we should we should be asking for this much like we can discuss that with each other whereas if you're like other creators who are on their own it's much easier to kind of second guess yourself and have a difficult time asking for that number that you should Mm -hmm. when it's just you and you don't really you know, it's so easy to doubt yourself. Yeah, I also think to the point where there's two of us, I think because there's two of us and like we still spend a lot of time working on each piece of content, but I think we're able to focus individually on certain aspects more than someone who's just doing this alone and has to do video and photo in as one person in the same amount of hours per week. Um, I think because we're able to focus more on each of our individual expertise, we're able to make it higher quality and more like just like put a lot more effort into it and not saying people who do this alone aren't producing high quality content. They obviously are. But at least for us, like I know, like even just evident on what's been going on the last year with having to film and photograph things, I can't put 100% into both of those things all the time. Like, it's just so draining. So being able to, like, separate it between the two of us, I think, allows us to produce higher quality content, at least for us, which kind of helps, like, justify the cost that we're asking for. Yeah, because it's like with any job where if you take on too many things and you're spread too thin it's hard to do all of those things as well as you would want to so I think that's a really good point I hadn't even considered that that like the fact that we can divide our attention and focus it more on certain aspects of the quote-unquote product that we're delivering and that does kind of like play into how much we charge and you kind of mentioned this a little bit but that we did like recently change our pricing mm-hmm. and when we discuss this with other people sometimes you know it can be hard to ask for that number especially if 
I mean, we have other jobs, so we aren't dependent on this income. We mm-hmm. would love to be making more from it, but we're not dependent on it. So we can be a little bit more picky, let's say, about yeah. which ones we do and don't take. But we've kind of developed the mindset that if we're going to go in with this number, that's great. Let's start with this number because this is what we ideally want to have as our standard. But if it's a brand or a campaign or something that we really want to be a part of, we can always come back and say, well, if you don't have the budget for that number right now, we'd still really like to work with you. So maybe we can do this one at a discounted Mm -hmm. rate, but at least they know that you know, regularly we are worth this much because it, when yeah. you set yourself too low, then it gets even, once you start working with a brand, it gets even harder to be like, I need to ask for more now because the brand might not understand why or might not recognize why, right? They're like, yeah. well, I, I don't see that many changes on your end. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's like, well, I just, I underpaid myself and now yeah. I I need to pay myself what I'm worth. And that's that makes it even more difficult to do. Yeah. To, to that point, like, I think our rates, like, for full disclosure, our rates are higher than most people's would be at the, like, level of influence that we have. But, like, like you said, we're not, we're like, I'm not afraid of saying yes or no to things because I know we don't depend on this income. Um, so we're in a privileged spot because of that, because we already do have extra jobs. <laughs> but also... I'm not afraid because like, I'm also not afraid of negotiating a bit. Like if it's a brand I really want to work with and like I, I've said this so many times before, if a brand is already talking to you, they're already see that you're worth something and no one's going to be like, oh, sorry, no, bye. And then never respond to you again. You can always come back to them and be like, oh, can I ask why? Like, and if they say it's out of their budget, can, you can ask them what their budget is and see if you can come to an agreement that works for you and works for them. No one's just going to be like, oh, that's too high. Goodbye. And never answer your emails again. (laughs) So like starting high isn't a death sentence for getting jobs. It's just most people are going to be willing to negotiate and talk, especially if they really like your content and they're talking to you already. Yeah. And I think that you made a really good point when we were talking about this earlier. Just the fact that the more creators who undervalue or underprice themselves the more the other side of the industry thinks that that's what creators should be pricing Mm -hmm. at right so if they're used to all these creators coming in at a certain number even though all of these creators are underpaying themselves when somebody comes in with a higher number even though their you know followers or whatever analytics aren't the same the brands and the companies are going to be like, well, that doesn't doesn't really line up with the standard that we're seeing across the industry. And then we've all just kind of screwed ourselves over. Yeah. And this isn't to like point blame at anyone. Like everyone can charge whatever they want to charge, but it would be silly not to point out the correlation with an industry full of people that probably undervalue themselves and undervalue the work, not even not even the influence, honestly, the influence is an aside, like they undervalue the time and effort that goes into content they create. Yeah, because that's another thing that we see just from a consumer or a viewer's standpoint, because that's what inspired our, our entire episode previously was just the fact that the content that comes out looks like it's easy or simple right Mm -hmm. but there's so much more behind it so as a creator when you're in the thick of it 
you maybe get so caught up in just getting it done that you forget to recognize how much you're putting into it and how much all of that is worth and the fact that most of the time you're giving that away for free (laughs) yeah and again also there's nothing wrong with doing work for free we've done it before and also we do it without brands asking us to do it when we just purchase something to work with and it's in a video or it's in a photo or something like that. But just knowing that like if a brand is reaching out to you, they clearly want to work with you. So make sure you're getting what you're worth because that also sets a precedent, not, not even for other bloggers but if you ever want to work with that brand again like you said they're going to be like oh but this is what we did before why are we not like can't we just keep it at this rate this whole time like you want to be able to set yourself up for the best future growth for yourself definitely do you think that it's easier to negotiate or ask for the number that you think you're worth if the brand has come to you versus if you're reaching out to them yeah 100%. So what do you do when you're reaching out to a brand? How do you make sure that you're presenting your content and your pitch to them in a way that will hopefully they'll, the number that you also ask for will resonate with them? Mm -hmm. I've actually done it a couple different ways. So one of the most common way we do it is we uh, reach out with a very specific idea in mind and like detail it out so that they can actually kind of like envision it and it's not like this like oh we want to do work for you and this is all the money we want for it it's actually like we're kind of getting them attached to the idea already this really cool really fun idea and then we also link to examples so that they can see the work and so that they can really see how cool and high quality and fun the content is but another way I've actually done it before too is actually going out and doing like test photos or something like that with the product um, so that they can actually see firsthand like the the product in an image or whatever it is or a sm- like tiny little piece of content so that it kind of like it sounds manipulative but it kind of just draws them in they're like oh my god my product looks so good and it's kind of harder to say no exactly and I'm really glad you brought up like that second method because as a newer creator, you might not have those that backlog of examples like you said in the first mm-hmm. method, right? So when you're newer or you're just starting to get into trying to do brand deals, you do a little bit of that free stuff because you're almost like building up a portfolio mm-hmm. that is based around working with companies because all of the content that you've done before is still a portfolio, but working yeah. with a brand is always going to be a different angle or a different type of content so if you can build up examples for brands that you would really like to work with then like you said you come in with something that they can really envision and that's just like what would happen in advertising right yeah if an agency wants to work with a brand they come in with a pitch they don't Mm -hmm. go in just being like well you know who we are so (laughs) no said (laughs) yeah really um and that's actually like one of the ways we got our first kind of partnerships, I mean, we didn't get paid for this partnership, but we did content with um, Brickworks. We did a video with Brickworks where we just had the cider. And I think it was in the DIY video. <laughs> um, we just used their cider as like a prop, basically, in one of uh, the things. And I think they liked it. We tagged them in it. And I think they like liked it on Twitter. And I took that as like, oh, I'll just reach out. You know, they've already shown interest in this content. We reached out to them. 
they sent us a bunch of free free product to work with and we created this really fun series with them again we didn't get paid for that it was real like literally right at the beginning of two market girls um but like we were able to form this relationship really early just by creating a video we were gonna make anyways yeah and i think that kind of like touches on another thing that as a new creator or any kind of creator that's important is interacting with the brands like just as much as if you're the brand you try to interact with the influencers the influencers should also try to like start building some kind of interaction on social media with the brands that you do enjoy because then they're going to I don't know it's just going to feel more organic to everybody involved and as weird as that sounds for something that's basically advertising and marketing it still matters (laughs) especially with social media I think because it makes Mm -hmm. it seem more authentic yeah no I agree now we've gone a lot into getting brands and doing brand deals but should we get back more into like figuring out your worth and that whole side of it Mm Mm-hmm. as we still try and figure it out (laughs) Honestly, yeah, because there's, I feel like there's so many factors to it. And it also depends on what the type of content is, right? It depends on the type of content, where the content is, how you are, like, judging it, what numbers you're looking at, like, what are your... What's the goal, basically? Yeah, exactly. What's a good uh, judge of this content does well, or like, I have enough reach, or I have enough influence for this. So how do you judge those things and how do you figure out your worth based on all of those different factors? Should we start with your skills? <laughs> sure. I was like, wait, was that a rhetorical question? Because I don't know the answer. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. So let's start yeah. with like, figuring out your worth based on your skills. Yes. So I think like there's the quote unquote quality of let's say your photos, your recipes, your writing, your videos, whatever type of content, there's the overall quality. How does it look? How professional is it? Uh, Mm -hmm. How much do you put into it? But I think when we talk about your skills, the other thing that a lot of people underestimate when they're figuring out how to pay themselves is that once you've been doing it for a while, if you get faster at it, that doesn't mean that you should be making less money because it's taking Mm -hmm. you less time. You need to pay yourself for all of those years and all of those hours you've previously put in that make you be able to do what you do now. Yeah, and not only like just time and experience, but like a lot of people do workshops and courses and stay up to date with like the newest things by taking classes and stuff like that. Like people invest thousands of dollars in themselves and that is part of your worth is that you're getting somebody who not only has years of experience but you're also getting someone who's staying up to date on what's going on and knows what to do and how to create content for today's world not like 10 years ago and all that kind of stuff so you have to like value yourself in the experience and what you've been able to teach yourself and have others teach you for however long you've been doing it. Yeah the fact that you're just kind of working for yourself a lot of times you're right you do have to keep on learning and keep progressing in some way and that's all on you to do it's all coming out of your wallet like if you're at a some kind of company they might pay for your professional development but you're in charge of your own professional development when you're riding solo yeah I also think people forget when they're thinking of like 
Like if they're breaking it down into let's see how many hours I work on this and let's give me an hourly wage. I think people often compare it to if they were working a normal nine to five job, what they'd be making an hour, which is like not the best way to go about it. Because also when you work for yourself, you're paying for your own insurance. At least here in Canada, insurance is like provided by a lot of employers so like not only you're paying for your ins- your own insurance you're having your taxes taken out before you even get your money into your bank account so you have to set money aside to do taxes and pay your taxes at the end of the year there's so many different factors that i think people forget that companies pay for before they even pay you your hourly wage or salary whatever it is so that people forget to factor those little things in and those small costs of running a business Definitely. Even things like, do you need internet to do this work? Your computer, mm-hmm. any of any of the resources you space. use. Yeah, all of that should be factored in, even though, you f- like, even I forget all of those things that make doing this, like, on your own makes it expensive when you think about all of that. Mm-hmm. An Adobe membership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so expensive, Adobe. <laughs> but I think... Because a lot of people will just kind of start with that hourly number, right? Yeah. And I think first and foremost, how are, you can't even come up with that number if you haven't already been tracking how how many hours yeah. it takes you anyways. So start tracking how long it takes you to do something. And then you also factor in, well, what level are my skills at and what dollar amount you know represents my yeah. hourly rate wage. And then you add in all of the other extra costs that go into running your business because that's what this is. So once you've figured out kind of that number, how do you figure out what your influence or your reach is worth? These feel like dirty words, don't they? Yeah, such dirty words. (laughs) I Okay, full disclaimer, I have no idea. I'm trying to do this at work as well. And... I came up with an equation at work that I don't know if it makes sense or not. I think it does. I don't know. But so I've I've never done it before. Like all you can do is guess, right? It's the hardest thing. Like you don't really know what your worth is as a creator because it's going to be different to every single person because there's not a standard. Do you want to share like some parts of that equation or just the rough outline? Okay. A good chunk of the equation is based on engagement So number of engagement you get, basically engagement rate um, multiplied by audience or whatever the calculation is, um, is the number of engagement you get. uh, Honestly, that's pretty much solely it. (laughs) And then you assign a dollar value to that on how much you think each engagement is worth, essentially. Um, And then it also kind of depends on on the brand side. It depends, too, if you're a local company or you're like a nationwide company because you also look at somebody's breakdown of audience. So if you're a Canadian company and you only sell to Canadians and the person you're working with has like 70% American followers, then their reach honestly isn't worth as much as somebody who has like 50% Canadian followers because you're getting more for it. You're reaching more of your target customers. So for the most part, it's breaking down of how much engagement you're getting from a single post on average. The best you can do is guess with the numbers that they provide you. And then looking at the breakdown of how much of your audience is actually factored into that engagement. 
from the brand side at least and then assigning a dollar value to what you think that is worth and that can depend brand to brand i like that when you talked about the engagement and stuff you kind of broke down the audience in a way that might seem common sense to us because we're in it but i think a lot of people on the outside still might think oh okay what are the follower count what's the follower count that's where we start but that i don't think that that's true anymore in a lot of circumstances right no honestly as somebody who is on the brand side of things too i do not like follower count helps get attention but it means nothing to a brand like you could have a million followers, but if only 5% of your followers actually are in their target market, you're no use to that brand. As opposed to somebody who has like 100,000 and let's say 70% of your audience is in that target market, that person is more useful to the per- than the person who has a million. So followers really don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, and I also think that the more the platforms and their algorithms change, they also have de-emphasized the follower account because you could have a lot of followers but if your followers aren't engaging with your content then the platforms actually aren't going to show them your content as much so your those numbers alone even the platforms are being like well i mean that's nice but people aren't really paying attention to your stuff so we don't really care yeah because as people both of us who are in social for not only two market girls also our day jobs we can attest to, and also just users of social media, most of the time when someone follows somebody, even if they're no longer engaging with their content, it takes a lot to actually unfollow somebody. So like, you won't see a lot of people go down in followers, even if like a lot of their followers aren't engaging with their content anymore, aren't like, don't like their content, don't feel like as connected with their content anymore, but their follower account is still very high so follower count is such a like it's pure vanity right it means nothing until you actually get down to the breakdown of how many people are actually truly engaging with your content on average who are those people how old are they what's their gender or sex um where do they live the demographics all that kind of stuff so and how does that factor into the brand you're working with and that's why it's so important to find brands that really align with who your audience will like because it only makes sense a for your audience and for you judging like valuing yourself a brand will see if you're reaching out to a brand that like is targeting moms 30 plus but your audience is 18 year olds that's not going to go well for either of you (laughs) yeah and that just speaks to maintaining authenticity on your platform and because your authenticity plays into how you build a relationship with your audience and once you squander that then you do you lose a lot of the what you've built up with your platform right mm-hmm. that's why as a creator knowing who your audience is is such an important thing to do when it comes to valuing yourself definitely and i don't think people should underestimate the power of like a a niche audience because like Mm -hmm. you said a local brand if there was an influencer in toronto who has a lot of engaged fellow gta like greater toronto area Mm -hmm. followers that is so much more valuable than some creator who used to live in toronto but now has moved to la but has a million followers right and i 
always find it so interesting when I'm seeing other creators on their platforms and you continue to see their audience engaging with them, whether it's like they post a Q, they post like in their story a Q&A and you see continuously like there's answers, there's people invested in what they're doing and what they're sharing. And then sometimes you go and look at their followers and you think, well, that's not as high as I thought it would have been. But that audience cares so much about what they're posting and what they have to say that that just matters so much more. Yeah. And honestly, it's it's what so on the brand side again basically for those that don't know a standard engagement rate something like the average engagement rate across all instagram kind of profiles is like anywhere between two and three percent which seems so low but that's what it is um so basically if you find an influencer around the two to three percent range that's average you know but like when you start to see the ones and i've worked with a few influencers where their engagement rate is like eight nine percent and you're like oh my goodness like people must love their content so much and feel so connected because that's like such a good engagement rate to get when the average is like two percent Hmm. and we've talked so much about you know, making content high quality, but making your community and your audience, like building that engagement is equally as difficult as any of the other things we've talked about. Honestly, it's one of the most difficult things to do to make that to have a genuine connection with your audience to the point where they want to comment on everything you do and they feel connected and they trust you and you don't break that trust. And like you just have this very positive relationship with an audience that you've never met in person before people that you will probably never talk to in your life or meet in person that's it's such a difficult thing to do and especially when content creators are tend to be very busy people they're always creating content so setting time aside and we struggle with it sometimes too like we've mentioned in previous podcasts setting time aside to really make sure that connection with your audience is like real and authentic and like trust is the main point of that relationship is so important for anyone who wants to be a content creator and work with brands specifically. Yeah. And I do think like with so many other things in this conversation, when a creator is kind of in the thick of it, they also it's almost like they lose sight of how much weight there is in these little interactions that they're having all the time. You know what I mean? Because they just, once they're happening frequently, you don't realize, oh, right, this is actually a very important thing to my platform. This is worth a lot to a brand. This means a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a bra- there is a brand out there that is willing to pay for this interaction. Like, that. that means a lot to a brand. Like, marketing dollars depending on the industry you're in, can be few and far between for a lot. So finding a brand that's willing to actually pay for something like that, it me you realize, and I hate to reduce like your audience connection to a dollar amount, but like you realize how important that connection is when there's people, when there's brands that are literally willing to spend millions on influencer advertising. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like you said, the audience, it's not just a dollar amount. They also are what keep creators you know doing what they do all of those interactions even though when you're in the thick of it you know you start oh yeah this is normal but when you step back and think about wow when I was just starting out I wished so much that I would have this kind of interaction Mm -hmm. right so it's 
that audience also just means a lot from a support standpoint because the other side is that like creators are working by themselves a lot of the times right so yeah. it's, it's almost like sometimes your audience is like your co-workers in a way <laughs> yeah really <laughs> um and honestly to going back to our kind of price and that it is genuinely generally higher than what most people in our influence bracket <laughs> would charge one of the reasons i also don't really have a problem with that is because i don't want to do a lot of sponsored content like i want to make sure that our relationship with our audience is as genuine as possible so i don't want to have to rely on sponsored content as much so if i can just do fewer that are more valuable to us it just it makes more sense for everybody i think yeah, that's such a good point. Quality over quantity. Like here's a sponsored video that we do. We don't do them very often. So you know that when we do them, they mean a lot to us and mm-hmm. we really do stand behind this product. So I think you're right. That's a very important point to remember. Yeah, like I would rather work with one or two brands on a long-term basis throughout the year. One or two brands that I truly, truly love than like 18 different brands for a single post and then I never speak to that brand again right so yeah and even behind the scenes of all of that when you have to work with multiple brands uh you know there's a lot of back and forth and admin stuff that comes along with that and if you get to work with a brand long term then you also build a relationship with a brand so for both of you that that product and that work together can actually improve because you get to know each other and you learn from Mm -hmm. these pieces that you work on collaboratively right yep yeah so where do we go from here what do you think is good advice for the new creators or good advice for the creators who are at a point right now where maybe it's time that they need to adjust their numbers honestly i think the most important bit is finding a number that And again, this number will be different for everybody, but finding a number that if you booked a client, you wouldn't have a thought later being like, oh, I kind of wish I didn't or I kind of like this doesn't feel worth it for what I'm getting it for. Like making sure that you're going to feel good after you've signed a contract with somebody. I think finding that number and again, it'll be different for everybody and it's different for every partnership. But like understanding that like that short and again, If you rely on income solely from content creation, this can be a harder thing to do. But like understanding that that short term of getting a few hundred dollars, but kind of regretting it later because you feel like you were undervalued isn't necessarily always worth it. Like that just a few hundred dollars isn't worth feeling undervalued. Like undervalued is a very hard feeling to sit with. So finding like, again, I don't know if this is good advice, but finding that number that you're going to feel like your time was well spent and that the person who signed the contract on the other side truly understands what you bring to the table and values you enough, I think is the most important thing, whatever that number happens to be for you. Yeah, because you don't want to grow to resent your work and the content and this process, right? Yeah, like we've, full disclosure, we've done a partnership where at the end of it, I was like, like, I loved the products, I loved I loved doing the content, but like it was not worth it. Like I would rather do the content for free solely on our own creativity because we just didn't get paid enough for what we were doing. Yeah. And I think it also plays a lot into just, you know, 
imposter syndrome and doubting yourself, which are all things that are difficult to do outside of content creation. Like I think a lot of us struggle with it in so many areas (laughs) of our life. Especially when it's a big brand. When a big brand reaches out to you and you don't feel like you're this like big influencer or content creator that could feel like such a big compliment you're like oh my god I just want to work with them I just want to do this but like understand especially when it's a big brand understanding where your value lies like that is the important like one of the most important things to do and not being caught up by oh my god I love this brand so much or oh my god it's such a big brand everyone knows this brand blah blah blah. don't be caught up by the like like almost don't get starstruck to the point where you undervalue yourself Yeah. And I mean, this will vary depending on if you are income dependent on these brand deals. But if it just doesn't feel like it's going to work, it's okay to walk away Mm because there's lots of companies out there who want to (laughs) work with influencers. It's not like there's a limited bucket, right? Yeah, there are millions of brands out there to work with. Even honestly, even in the vegan, like if you're if you feel like you're in a niche category, there's a lot of other people who are also in a niche category. You can make it work je- even if you're turning down brands, it's fine. There are still brands that you can work with. And honestly, you can still work with a brand later on that you turned down before. Things always change. As long as you like are polite about it and you explain to them why, don't like ruin the relationship just because you you didn't weren't able to make something work once doesn't mean you're not going to be able to make a partnership later yeah i think that's a really good point the way that you present the fact to a brand that you can't work with them for those numbers like it's it's a person on the other end of that email or whatever right mm-hmm. so it's okay to politely say i can't this number won't work for my circumstances right now as much as i love your products or your company mm-hmm. i it can't support me right now but i would love to work with you again in the future if your budget can allow you know what i mean yeah. so don't don't ghost them definitely don't do, yeah. do that but also just be nice about it and they'll be nice yeah. right back i would also say don't let um brand as someone on the brand side brands can often try and like push the product in your face of being like oh it's worth this much their product is a great like you need their product to work with for the video and it's great to get some extra free product to work with but it does not pay your bills (laughs) and like that is okay like that is the exact thought that you should have if someone's trying to be like oh we can't afford to pay you more but we're giving you five hundred dollars worth of free product you're like cool but like that's not how this works (laughs) Like, I can't give my landlord free product. Right. And I feel like when things were even newer than they are now, that was like the go-to move for companies to be like, give you product. That's what this is, right? We give you product. You put out all of this beautiful content. And that seems fair. Yeah. And it's it's very easy to get caught up in that. So if, if it happens, honestly, don't get yourself, like, don't go down. Just learn from, like... If you end up doing a partnership where you feel bad about doing it afterwards because you didn't feel valued or whatever it was, just learn from it. Don't like beat yourself up for it. Just learn from it. Make sure like you are more wary of it in the future when you're doing partnerships. Exactly. And the only reason we can speak to all of this is because we've had some of those experiences already, but we don't have anything figured out. So we're still just learning more and more every month. Yeah, I promise you, even people with millions of followers are still trying to figure it out. 
Yep. And they're still turning down brands and doing fine. And brands are probably still turning them down because of their rates and they're doing fine. So I'm going to tell you, like, if celebrities can sell candles that smell like their body parts, you can sell your content. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very interesting comparison that I was not (laughs) expecting. There are so many weird products out there that people are willing to buy. Content is not a weird product. It is like it is such a it's so much of an easier sell when you find the right partner than something as weird as Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle. <laughs> um, I also think I'm just gonna segue away from that <laughs> vagina candle. <laughs> but I also do think it's an interesting exercise to do maybe a few times a year, but to kind of mm-hmm. outline what are your dream collaborations that you would like to do at certain levels right like what's really high level this would be a dream come true or what's like a mid-range this would be a really cool one or what's like another one that I could get a lot out of maybe they're a smaller company but I feel like the two of us together could get a little bit out of it you know just Mm -hmm. having those things that maybe even if you don't work with them that year but even having that thought process yeah of like what brands would I want to work with? How could I make that content? And then almost subconsciously, you're still working towards that in all of the other content that you're making. For sure. It's a difficult process, all of this. <laughs> it is such a difficult process. I hate pricing. It's my least favorite thing. Yeah, and that goes for content creators. That goes for any kind of freelancer. And that even goes for any kind of job that you have, right? You still will always have to advocate for yourself, yeah. right? I honestly hate money so much. <laughs> I hate trying to deal with money and figuring out what you're worth. But at least when you start something on your own, like a content creation, some kind of platform, at least remember why you started it, that it is your platform. So you're allowed to make the calls. That's why you wanted to work for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And also, like, don't be afraid to talk about this stuff. Like, there's a reason that no one knows what to charge. And it's, like, this weird thing about what am I worth? Because no one talks about money. And it's not, like, I, there's no problem in talking about money if you want to talk about money. So, like, if you guys have questions for us, we're always willing to answer and that kind of stuff. Because, like, I'm tired of money being this secretive, quiet, like, thing you don't talk about. Because that is how big business gets you to feel like, oh, you're only worth this much because you don't know what anyone else makes. And if they make you think this is what everybody else makes, it's fine, even if everyone else is making way more than you. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we're lucky that we can talk to each other about it. But even between each other, we're kind of like, oh, I don't know. But we have (laughs) other food bloggers that when we are able to talk to them about what are you experiencing in your brand partnerships or things like that, just being able to talk about that with other people that are going through the same kind of thing is so, so helpful. So if you are starting out, like building those relationships with your fellow content creators is so important too, because like Catherine said, the more that we can all talk about it and have each other to not only be open with, but also to kind of amp each other up, right? Yeah. Like you're good at what you do. Remind each other of that because we all still need it. <laughs> yes. Everybody needs a little like ego boost yeah like a really good pep talk like you are worth this much remember don't ever forget that yes (laughs) oh money (laughs) yeah let's let's start off december talking about money 
I mean, it's the month of spending money, right? So it's like one of the biggest months for content creators in terms of revenue ever. I mean, we don't see that, but... (laughs) (laughs) Just being honest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, honestly, like so many content creators I'm following right now, it's like sponsored content after sponsored content. I was like, dang, they must be rolling in it this month. I hope. (laughs) The content's great that I'm seeing. I hope they're charging what they're worth. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> oh, do you feel better that we talked about it? Yeah, totally. Me too. Yeah, I still don't know what I'm doing at all, but I feel better. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it would be awesome to know if there's any other content creators that listen to this podcast. Let us know your thoughts and your experience in pricing yourself and pricing your content because... Like, it's such a difficult thing to do, and there's so much pressure to get it right. And, like, you only beat yourself up, you beat yourself up for it if you get it wrong, or feel like you're getting it wrong, or you're not getting brand partnerships. You're like, is it my fault? Am I pricing myself too high? Is my content not good enough? So, like, let's just talk. <laughs> let's have a little group therapy sesh. I love it. I think we all need it right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to be it for this episode of Camera Eats First. Like Catherine said, if you want to reach out with us, reach out to us with any thoughts, whether if you're a content creator or you just want to know more about behind the scenes of being a content creator, you can always DM us on social. We are at Two Market Girls, or you can send us an email. We are Two Market Girls at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. If you want to check out any of our recipes or our recipe videos, they're at twomarketgirls.com and we are also Two Market Girls on YouTube. And don't forget to engage with your favorite content creator's sponsored posts. Mm-hmm. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>